Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to 1 John here for a moment. And uh, we're going to continue on talking what we did a little about last week. Uh, but we are taking a seat at the victorious table. Not the religious table, the victorious table. And I want to just decipher the difference between the two. We got a religious table over here and we got a victorious table on my right here over here, your left. And I want to just kind of bring a few things out because I truly believe with all my heart that God is pulling you and I or wherever it may be some religious thinking or maybe we've been stuck in a religious way for some time. It sounds churchy and he's pulling us over into this victorious side. Because I mean, when you sit at the table with the victorious, the conversation is different. It sounds different, it thinks different, it acts different. And Jesus didn't come just to start another religion. He came to bring every child of his into this place of victory over this evil world. And that's where you and I are are called to live in. That's where God has brought us. So we need to learn how to not only just sit at this victorious table, but how to function from this place. Because you and I have a way higher calling than just getting through life and, you know, go to heaven one day. He's called you to rule and reign on this earth as kings on this earth. That's Romans 5.17 in the Amplified specifically. That's what our calling is. So let's look at this here for a moment. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Everyone, come on, say with me, everyone. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's just stop here for a moment. We believe, and who believes that Jesus is the Messiah? All right, and the rest of you, will, we're going to have an opportunity afterwards then. You believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and now look at this. This is something that the Lord, I've just been in my own personal time. You have become God's spiritual child, and you have also been fathered by God himself. He's a dad. He's a father, and no father wants their children to be a loser. Am I in the right house this morning? Any, okay. No parent wants their children to be a loser. Now you can say, well, no, my children's not going to... But we're learning how to operate from this victorious table. Right? So again, you were born, born again into the kingdom of God, not necessarily to be a victorious one. You were born again to choose. So that's just the biggest part. What table do you want to sit at? Right? I don't know about you, but I want to sit at the victorious table. And in doing so, it is a complete mind transformation that has to take place. What's the difference between like, the all-stars in a sporting realm and the amateurs? A mindset. And a mindset is huge. Now, and everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Verse 2. This is how we can be sure that we love the children of God by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. Now I'm on verse 3, y'all downstairs. Verse 3. True love for God means this. We obey his commands, and his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Verse 4. You see, every child of God. Now who is a child of God? Those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Now I know we're going to have to be real clear on those things, because a lot of times people just say, oh, we're all children of God. No, we're not. (laughs) There's only two families that you can be a part of. There's a family of God, and then there's a family of Satan. You are in either one of those two families. How do you become part of God's family? You acknowledge with your mouth. You believe in your heart, and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And by doing that, you've been transferred now out of the kingdom of darkness, Satan's family, and you've been put into a new family called the kingdom of God's dear son. Amen. So you see, every child of God... Again, what's the criteria for this? Acknowledging something, believing something, saying something with your mouth. What are we saying? All right, like victorious folk now. Jesus is Lord. Lord. Now it says those, they they overcome the world. For our faith now is the victorious... Oh, go back there for a sec. Our faith now is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Verse 5 now goes on to say, so just in case we missed it, just in case we couldn't figure quite out in those first four verses, he says it again in verse 5. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So the door to victory for a seat at this table is Jesus is the Son of God. He puts you here. Now this is a good place to be. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, now. Every child of God is a world overcomer. So say it. I am a world overcomer. Now that's not just a Christian nice thing you put on a t-shirt. This is reality. This is truth. You is one. Whether you like it or not. So what are we doing? We have to learn how to operate and be one. 
right? Just because we are one doesn't mean it just automatically happens. You've got to learn intentionally how to operate at this victorious table. Cool. Now, now we have to get, of course, to developing the image of that. And when you and I, when we sit at this table, as we said, the attitude is different. The conversation is different. The actions are different. Because one of the big things that we see, this religious table, one of the issues that we have, it, it actually lives defensively. And what do I mean by that? It's a defensive table. It simply means this is because we are always waiting for God to do something. Because this table lives actually quite easy. This is one of the common phrases that you hear. God is in control. It sounds nice, but it's not Bible. It sounds good, but there's no scripture in the, in the New Testament that you find that God is in control of this earth. In fact, you see in the book of Psalms, it says, yeah, God created the heavens, but to the children of men, he's given dominion to the, uh, to the sons of men to the earth. So you and I from this table, if we keep saying God is in control, what we're actually saying with it is, I can't control what happens out here. So what happens is you live face to face. All these critical things come our way. Satan comes and kicks my butt. We just say, well, God's in control. One day he'll just take care of it. We live defensively from this position. Over here, it's an offensive mindset. It's not, well, whatever happens just happens. It's no, what does the word say? The the righteous, they take it by force. Come on, say it with me. Take it by force. Whatever he promised you, he's already given it to you. It's a finished work. God's not looking for you and I just to go, okay, God, well, one day, it sounds real good, God, if I'm just believing that you heal me, but you know what? I can live with this if it brings me closer to you or if it brings you glory somehow. God get, doesn't get glory out of sickness. What does he get glory out of? Someone who knows who they are in Christ Jesus, know what Jesus did on the cross, takes their healing and says, that's mine and receive the healing power of God, that gives God glory. John 15 verse 8 talks about answered prayer brings glory to God when we bear fruit in this Christian life. That's what he gets glory out of. So it sounds good, it sounds nice, you can get likes on a post for putting something like that because you're empathizing with people, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the problem is it's not true and people are stuck there. They live defensive, and then part of it, the problem is, is they also get into this victimhood mentality. This is what's happening to me. This is what's going on. And hey, God bless you if you're here, but it's time we move you out of this table. It's not fun to live there. God never called you to live here. Let's pull you on over to the Victoria side and let the conversation be a little bit different. Now, let's look at how Jesus operated. And I believe this with all my heart that those who are watching, those that are here, we're learning. We're getting some things. We're moving from this religious table and we're starting to operate victoriously in Christ Jesus. Hoorah! All right, for the rest of us, hoorah! All right, I'm in the Lord's army. Okay. Now, let's look for a moment at how Jesus operated. Did Jesus not say that we would do greater works than him? John 14, 12, he said that, right? So we got to really learn how to operate from this place. Because Jesus is no loser. (laughs) He's the man. He's the king of all kings. Woo, he's a good Jesus. Now, Matthew chapter 14, let's look here for a moment. And I want just to show you this, this little story, a thing that happened in the Bible here. But again, with this mindset, Jesus lived on an offensive mindset. Also, one other thing, we said this numerous times, but rather than just looking at different individuals and say, they are, man, they are so anointed. Of course, people are anointed for different tasks. But listen, you have the same anointing. You've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Now, my, the, the anointing that's on my life is different than yours, just like your, yours is different from mine. We're, we're all different in that. My anointing comes with the fivefold ministry, Ephesians chapter 4. But there's also different gifts within the body of Christ, and every anointed is needed for the elevating and the bringing up of the body of Christ. Nobody is better than anybody else in the kingdom of God. We are all one in his eyes. Now, what he does, he just empowers others to do a certain task differently. That's what it's for. So, but in that, we can look and say, oh, they're just so anointed. Look what they can do. No, no, no. We're getting rid of that mindset a little bit and learning to understand. Now, God has given me the authority to operate in what he's given me. That's how I'm going to live by is this authoritative place. So rather than just saying they're anointed, no, they know their authority and they're exercising it. Let's turn here. Matthew 14, it says this, verse 22. As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. After the crowds disappeared, Jesus went into up the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. But the disciples who were now in the middle of the lake ran into trouble. For their boat was being tossed about by the high winds and heavy seas. 
at about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. Now, I'll just kind of throw this little excerpt in here for a moment. But, you know, a lot of the things that you and I are going through or having problems with, Jesus walks on top of all the time. So the very storm that was trying to kill the disciples, Jesus is walking on it. And now here's the gospel. He's invited you to walk on the same thing. That was a mic drop right there. That was a mic drop. That, did you hear that? The gospel message, yes, it's salvation, it's redemption, but that salvation doesn't just mean I die and go to heaven one day. Thank God for it. It also means he's empowered me to live this authoritative lifestyle, the victorious lifestyle that he gave me. So the very same storms that try to take you out, Jesus is walking on top of, and in fact, he wants to pull you up and say, walk from it from my level. Yeah. Woo-hoo! That's good news. Or did you just want to go through it and just kind of trudge through it like a good little trooper? No, I want to go on top of this thing. Okay. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, a ghost. Then Jesus said, be brave. Don't be afraid. I am here. Verse 28. Peter shouted, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me. Jesus had replied. So Peter, I look, just if you've got a Bible, this is a Passion Translation. Peter stepped out. Say that with me. Step out. Those words, come join me, are authorization words. It authorized Peter to do something that Peter could not do in himself because of his flesh. But because he got the word of God on it, it authorized him to step out. Come on, say it with me. Step out. So what do you need? You need a word. You need a word. You don't need a goosebump. You need a word. Whatever the word tells you to do, he empowers you to carry it out. And what did he tell them? Do it, Peter. Come on. Come join me. Come join me. Come on. Do you hear the Lord say that? Come join me. Come join me. Come join me. So what do you and I got to do? Step out. And what did he do? And onto the water. And he began... To walk on the water. Now, what's the will of God? For Peter to walk. Could you imagine what he's doing? I bet he got excited on that water. Are you kidding me? Water just... But then, verse 30, we have a bit of a problem. Verse 30, it says, but... When he realized, that is a huge problem is when people come to realize stuff. In the natural sense, I mean. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. And Jesus immediately stretched out his hand, lifted him up and said, what little faith you have. Oh, that's not very nice. Sorry, Jesus operates and talks from the victorious mindset. He's not diminishing. He's not making fun of. He's not criticizing. He's not hurting. He's saying, yo, where are you at? Why, why, why little faith on this? Where, where, it, where to go? What is he doing? He's pulling him back. Peter, you belong here. Don't, don't get caught up over here. You're called to here. Why would you let doubt win? Now, I want just to bring out a couple of things on this. God supplies the power. Peter had to make use of it. What was the power? The word, come, join in, come. What did Peter have to do? He had to make use of it by stepping out. Well, it's the same way for you and I. Peter was authorized to do something that he couldn't do. Now remember, God's power comes through us. He doesn't do anything apart from us. He didn't see Jesus go, Peter, I'm going to make you get out on the water. Come on, let's go, I'm going to make you. No, he is looking for participation with his word. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. Come. Okay? Could you imagine you hear the word come, walk on the water? Like, just think of it for a moment. Oh, okay. He stepped out and did it. Well, it's the same way for you and I. We got a whole bunch of scriptures and verses right here. What God is looking for, when you hear the word from God, step out. Step out. Why? Because that's how authority works. When you get the word on something, he needs your cooperation. Capiche? Now, why? What was the problem? Peter began to sink. Why? Because he started to get his mind or his eyes 
off of the Lord and onto the waves. So his, listen, the power never changed. Peter did. Can you see that? The power never changed. Peter got his eyes off into something completely different, which caused him to sink. So was it God's will that Peter sunk? No, not at all. You know, one other thing is we have got to get this. uh, I'll leave that for right now. Now, let's just bring this up to pass. The reason why people don't receive from God, I want to just bring up a couple of thoughts right now. Number one is this, is that you don't exercise your authority. We're talking about why people don't receive from God. People don't exercise their authority. Let's just say you're praying about something. And you're asking God to do something that he's actually asked you to do. See, when it comes to this equation, there's always a God side. And then there's a manward side. I can't ask God to do my side for me. God will always provide the power. I have to step out and do what he's told me to do. Some people may be struggling financially here for maybe whatever it could be. Did you know that's not God's will? Did you know that it's not God's will? You see in the word of God that he's called you to be blessed. Why? So you could be a blessing. But if you don't flow with the ways of God, it won't work. Well, I've just been praying and been asking God, yeah, but he told you to bring your tithes to the storehouse. Are you doing that? Well, no, I don't. That's Old Testament. I don't believe in that. Fine. You don't have to believe in that, but stay broke all your life. That's your choice. Either we're going to do what the word says or we're not. Refusing to do the word and ask God to do something that he told you to do won't work. So that's one reason why. Second reason why is also this, being double-minded or a yo-yo believer. Yo-yo, I don't mean that, I just mean an actual yo-yo. You are up one day, ah, this is so good. Man, church is so fun, I just got so hyped in worship. Monday, ah. It's not working and what's going on? I want you to see this in James chapter one because it talks about having two minds. I have my Sunday mind, Oh, yeah, I can talk victory, but on Monday, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be stuck in religion. God, where are you in all this stuff? Well, God's just in control of all this. He says, just let me make sure that you are empowered by confident faith. He's talking about if any man lacking wisdom, asking of God. He said, make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, verse 7, it leaves you unstable. Okay, let me read that one more time. When you are half-hearted and wavering, meaning, oh, I know God says this, but look at the bills. I know God says this, but look at my leg. I know God says this, but look at my situation half-hearted or wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? The answer in other translations say, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. It, It doesn't work that way. You have to be fully set out. So what's the solution to that? Make up your mind. Am I gonna do the word? Because listen, at this table, it's word. The word of God is our foundation for everything in life. Thirdly now, Why others cannot receive from God is just simply this. Someone could say that I have actually taken my authority, but nothing's happening. Anybody ever have that before? I know I have. I've taken my authority, but I'm not seeing the changes. I want you to think of it like this way. You're doing the right things, just not long enough. Keep going. Keep standing. Keep believing. Keep speaking. Keep saying, right? Because what happens, this is a great example, Mark chapter 11 about the fig tree. Right? If you look at that for a moment, Jesus, he went and he was, he was hungry one day, so he walked up to a fig tree thinking that there was figs on it. So he looked at it and there was no figs. So what did Jesus do? He spoke the end result for that tree. No man will eat fruit of you again forever. And then what did he do? He walked away. The Bible says the disciples heard him. Well, they went back in. Jesus flipped the money tables over and you know, did all that awesome stuff. 24 hours later, they come back. Now Peter, remembering what Jesus said to that fig tree, he looked at it and said, Master! The fig tree that you cursed has withered up and has died. So it didn't come, a lot of time. we just think, we want instantaneously things happening. Bam. I said, come on, it's got to happen right away. We're not quite there yet. We're developing our faith. When God speaks, plan has come into existence. He knows how to operate it. We're his children, so we're learning how to operate this way. So when we don't see things naturally change, don't get discouraged. Keep going. You're doing the right things. And what's happening? The enemy is just trying to bring up the natural. See, it's not working. 
You confess that stuff. It's not working. See, I told you it won't work. That, that, that never works. I mean, people try to know forever and they just die of it. No, no, no. Keep going. Why does he have to tell you that if it's not working? Because it's working. Come on, y'all say it with me. It's working. It's working. Just keep going. Come on, say it with me. Keep going. And in the words of Nebo, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming. Just keep going. Now, again, God gives the power. We have to make use of it. Start receiving your authority. It doesn't, if you don't take a step, we can't see the power. Right again, like the electric company that's here, they supply the power. What's our job? Flip the switch. Come on, say it with me again. Flip the switch. The power is all here. The power of God is in us. What do we got to do? Flip the switch. And how do we do that? We've been talking about how to release it, but we talk, we can speak the word of God, declare the finished work, and at the same time, what we've been discussing is praise is a flip switcher. When you want to flip the switch, what do we do? We praise. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, fine, turn the power off. It's totally up to you. Now, let me just throw this truth bomb out here for you. Every opportunity, I can either praise or I can complain. Complaining is a form of praise just in the opposite direction. Now, there's two beings. We have our Heavenly Father and all the angelic beings that's up in heaven. You got your own angel that's with you right this morning. I mean, if we could see in the spirit, there's a bunch of angels in this room. And the few demons maybe you try to take with you, well, we cast them out. They're not allowed to be in this room. Now, at the same time, there's that battle going on. But for you and I, God receives my praise complaining, the enemy receives the complaining. So I'm talking about everything in life. What did you, how did you wake up this morning? Nah, 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 nah. Guess who's attracted to that? Oh, they go, oh, yeah, someone's complaining. Eh, let's go get them. You could wake up in the morning and go, praise hallelujah. And what happens? You've just attracted the kingdom of God. Again, it's your choice. Come on, say it with me. Choose. It's a choice that you have. Now, let's look at this here for a moment. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, this is Paul and Silas here in the prison. And, uh, of course, they, they delivered a young girl who was screaming out that these were the sons of God and they were here to bring the gospel message. And Paul, like, they set her free, got rid of the demon, and the money changers got angry. So you can know, where's the problem arise? People are obsessed. They will love their money. That was where the whole problem, follow the money. That's always the problem with people. Paul and Silas now, but notice, they got thrown into jail. They were severely beaten. And what happened? Because this girl got delivered, right? So the religious leaders were ticked off and they were upset about all this stuff, right? The money changers were upset. Now, Paul and Silas, undaunted, mean not scared. Bring it. Come on, say it with bring it. Undaunted, they prayed in the middle of the night and they sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Verse 26, suddenly, come on, y'all, suddenlies, I love those, suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison, and all at once, every prison door, not just theirs, every prison door in that dungeon flung open, and the chains of Paul and Silas, of all the prisoners came loose. Do you realize that your praise, yeah, it'll affect you, but it could also reach some other people as well. It's, they just started praising and started worshiping God and the chains fell loose. This shows us here, first of all, that your voice is your address in the spirit. When I lift up a shout of praise, God knows where to drop where he needs to go. Hallelujah! People go, that's stupid, that's weird. Think it all you want. This isn't a churchy thing. This isn't a religious thing. This is a victorious thing. I don't really like praising. Get over yourself. Why? I, this is my address. Just like whatever your home address would be. Well, how do we know where to deliver the package? Well, I need an address, don't I? Yeah, you sure do. Well, how much more FedEx needs it? How much more the spirit world? They need to know what your address is. And where's your address? My mouth is my address. When I start, glory, Jesus, I love you. Guess what? Deliver package here. It's here, it's here, it's here. And on the opposite end, it never happens to me. And the demons go, oh yeah, go over there. That's where the package needs to be dropped off. 
in my demon voice. <laughs> That's the address. So we don't realize, but it's not just what we say, a church that counts. What's happening behind closed doors? What are we sounding like on a regular basis? Is it, why is this always happening? Why do they always, why do they have to, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Demons are attracted to that scent. And they come, and they come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And you're going, how come none of this works for me? And it's a repetitive lifestyle. It's a repetitive cycle. you got to break the cycle. How? By shutting your face up once in a while, rather than just yeah, 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 start going, Jesus, I pray, I'm going to go by your word. I'm going to go by what you said. Start changing the cycle. The cycle doesn't change unless I change. Now, why is praise so important? Let's get into that. <laughs> but you know, when something is stronger than you, fighting you, stop struggling and start celebrating God from the depths of your heart. <laughs> why because praise is powerful Number, let's go for you a few things why praise because first of all god is powerful in praise now listen god is powerful in it not just the thought of it in it when a believer just starts throwing up his hands and starts celebrating and worshiping god he's powerful in it look at this in exodus chapter 15 verse 11 this is right after god has just destroyed the egyptians that were after his covenant people <laughs> Don't mess with God. Don't mess with his covenant people. Messing with his covenant people, you're messing with him. Remember when, when Paul, he was on the road to Damascus? Remember what he was he doing? He was out to go get Christians, right? He's about to, to imprison them. And he was about to kill some of them. He was talking nasty about some of these Christians. And on the road to Damascus, what did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When you speak bad, they're not talking just to that person. You're talking to him. And he takes it very personally. Don't do that. So that's why he's powerful in praise. So when you lift up a different sound, kind of what, what Carrie was just leading us in, there needs to come a different sound. And I know this with the bottom of my heart. There's a sound that this church uniquely has in this city. And it's being more and more defined. The further and further we go into this, the Lord is just zeroing us in, getting that sniper scope out for these end times that we are called to be in. We're here to make the people ready to face God. I tell you that. But look at this in Exodus 15, 11. This is part of the song that they sung. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? Where does he do the wonders? In praise. He does it where? In praise. Like we said, when did Joshua and all the Israelites, when did they start shouting? When the walls were still up. Yeah. Lift up a mighty shout unto God, for he gave you the city. Imagine, imagine they said, well, it doesn't look like it. It's still right there, and there's a bunch of guys on that wall looking at us. It. Like, it's not taken. What are you talking about? Man, our, our leader's stupid. Could you imagine that type of talk? Instead, what did they do? Oh, they were just lifting up a shout. And what happened? And the walls came tumbling down. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you're singing with me. Okay. God does wonders in the midst of our praise. So why praise? God is powerful in it. Number two, look at this in Psalm 150, verse 6. It says, let everyone, everywhere, join in the crescendo of ecstatic Praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can look at, I mean, I was just spending some time looking through the Psalms yesterday. and You see over and over. Come on, everybody. Let's praise the Lord. Come on. Do it. <laughs> the word is very clear on what it wants you to do. What does it want you to do? Praise the Lord. But I don't feel like it. It's not about feelings. Your feelings will change when you start doing. <laughs> I tested it out this week. It works really good. I got happy real quick. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't really want to. Do it anyways. And what is God saying here? If you have breath in your lungs, God is willing to be caught. I think that is the good news for us this morning. What's another reason why praise is so powerful? Because if there's still breath in you, you can catch me, God says. And number three is this, that there is an invitation, Psalm 22, verse 3, that praise is an invitation that God can never turn down. You throw out an invitation of praise, guess what? He'll show up every single time. You don't have to wonder if he's going to RSVP. He will always show up. 
Why? Because praise, he loves it. He likes it. Psalm 22, verse 3, again, familiar verse. It says this, that you are holy, O Lord, enthroned in the praises of Israel. You're powerful. You're mighty in praise. Woo! Do you need a guitar to do it? Do you need any instrument to help you with it? You can just do it on your own. I would encourage you. How many had a little praise freakout session this past week? All right, three of us. So this week, let me encourage you. It is time to let go and just actually have a Holy Ghost fit in your own house. In the privacy of your own room, you don't need anybody else around you. But I would encourage you, do it. This is one thing that the Lord has just awakened me to. There's a desire in my heart. I want to walk so close with the Lord. More than anything else in this earth. About Forget all this stuff, just naturally speaking. I want to be close to Him. And one of the things, I'm, just, I'm going through an own personal book for myself. And in this, it just constantly just brings aware to us, how do I stay filled with God? Well, if you look through Romans chapter 1 and you read out, uh, first of all, like what it shows it in the negative, when Romans 1, what the, the generation or what the world did, they refused to glorify God. They refused to be thankful. Then they had vain imaginations, and they carried it out in sinful acts. Now, if you flip that around, we start magnifying God. We start exalting him for who he is. Start being thankful for everything you have. What happens? It changes the mindset that you have. It changes the imagination that you're living with. And as a result, you start carrying out his good works. Now, you, you can read it. Read Romans chapter 1 and you actually find out how people go from bad to worse. And God says, well, I'm gonna, because they've chosen not to do these things, I'll leave them with their messed up mindset. And that's why we have the perversion that we have in this earth. It's because people have refused. Listen, this is, this is so clear. This is why it is what it is. And for believers, we've got to take, take heed to this. Not only is this, okay, this is good news, but it's also a warning. Refusing to be glorifying God for who he is and not just making an image of Jesus for ourselves, but glorifying God for who he is. He deserves our praise whether you think it or not. He's worthy of it all. I'm magnifying. I had a crappy week. I don't care. He's worthy of my praise. So when I, or when I put that place into practice, I put this mindset, okay, he's worthy of all my praise. And then I'm going to start being thankful. What's going to happen? My imaginations are going to change. Because listen, on the opposite end, it's, can a believer fall into that? Yes. And it's, the question's not, can a believer um, lose their salvation? It's, can God lose a believer? That's maybe a different thought we need to have altogether. It's, hey, if I'm choosing to be, not glorify him as God, if I'm choosing to live unthankful, guess what's next? Crooked, perverse mindset. And when you have a crooked, perverse mindset, guess what your acts are? They're messed up. So what do we got to do? It's a warning. Romans 1 is a warning. I'm heeding that for my own self. I'm going to glorify him. How about you? I'm going to thank him for everything. Man, I just took some time, about 20 minutes yesterday, just in the morning. Lord, thank you that I woke up in a bed this morning. I just talked about natural things for a little bit. For about 15, 20 minutes, I just talked about all the natural things I could think of. Thank you, Lord, for clothing. Thank you that I have a shower. And just start doing that thing. You'll start to see things start to change in your own everyday life. Because again, what is this? It's, it's a choice. And what I'm doing is I'm inviting God in. I'm disconnecting from the problems, from the situations of life, and I'm connecting to the praise of God. And therefore, I'm connecting to Him. Because some of you are still stuck in the same thing over and over again. Why? It's because you keep thinking on the same problems over and over again. Learn to disconnect from it. Come on, say it with me. Disconnect. Disconnect from that situation. You gave it to him. Disconnect and now turn. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much. And what happened? He's able to get in. He inhabits the praises of his people. This is how it is. It's so simple. But if it was, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move right along. Now, what am I called to do on this earth? First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Look at this. Why am I here on this earth? It says, you are God's chosen treasure. Said, I am God's chosen treasure. Okay. Then he says, priests who are a king, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. 
And now he claims you as his very own. And he did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders or other words, his glorious praise throughout the world. So why am I here on this earth? I'm here for a reason. And the reason is, is to give some praise. I'm here to do what? Give some praise. The same way that they manufacture cars, right? Cars are supposed to run a certain way. They're supposed to, lights are supposed to come on the dash. When you make a car, they're supposed to show up, right? Well, the same way, God, when a believer gets born again, what automatically is placed within them? Praise. Don't forget where you came from. I used to be on my way to hell. A punk, talker, rude, just says things. Cursor, swearer, drinker. You put it whatever it is for yourself. Whatever your lifestyle was. I used to be all that. But God, who is so rich in his kindness and in his goodness, what did he do? He turned my life around, placed my feet on a solid rock. And what can I do? I can praise him. I can thank God for him. I can think, and you know, listen, not only, praise doesn't have to be all crazy and wild. It could just simply be, Lord, thank you. I just want to acknowledge this morning, I, I would not be here if it weren't for you. Can we just take 10 seconds to do that? Lord, thank you. We would not be here if it weren't for your grace. We would not be here if it weren't for your mercy. Jesus, we would not be here if it wasn't for your blood that you willfully spilt out for us. And now you seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you. Then you filled us with the Holy Ghost and we are sealed. Children of the Most High God on our way to heaven, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, full of the Word of God, full of truth. My pathway is secure. It's clear. It's light because I have the Word on it. Lord, thank you. See, I just get into a little fit on that. Do you see where it can just take you? And all of a sudden you're going, man, what? Everything just changed. The, the kids maybe be fine. But hey, all that just drops because you've chosen to give him praise. Yeah. I even practiced that just even this past week. Our kids had a, a few little fights with one another. Normal for childhood growing up. So rather than just, everybody, I need peace in this house and I need it now. <laughs> what am I looking for? Peace on the external. Where does peace begin? On the inside. So rather than yelling at them, stop yelling. And I'm yelling. <laughs> what needs to happen? Lord, I just want to take a moment. You know, even before I, this is one thing that I'm learning for myself. Before even disciplining my kids. And listen, discipline is not something we do to our kids. We do it for them. It's a big thing, a big difference. But one of the things I'm just doing for my own self is before I, we, we go into any of that, I'm going to just take a moment. Lord, I want to thank you for these children. What a gift. The word says that they are a gift from you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, Lord, how can I train up this child, this my son, my daughter? How, what can I do? Because you've called them to something, and I want to make sure I'm on right track with you. And notice how just the anger resides. And now, true discipline takes place. Imagine if God disciplined us the way that we do. Boy, we'd be hurt, left, right, center. We'd be on our way to hell. But God doesn't deal with us according to our sin. Because he doesn't look at you as a sinner. He looked at you through the, uh, through the blood of Jesus, righteous, holy, without fault in his eyes. But now what he wants to do, he wants to correct us by giving us new ways of thinking. Okay, son, I want you to try this out. It is a completely different, he's a father. He's a father. And in Psalm 103, this is what I've been doing in my study. It says, the, God, our father, he is tender and compassionate to his kids. So listen, when I can, the way that I father, I first need to be fathered by him. I need to see it from him first so I can show it out here. Aren't you thankful for that? God's not harsh. He's not booting you in the backside. What's wrong with you, you idiot? He's not doing any of that. Why? Because he's tender. He's compassionate. Hey, let me show you. He's a dad. Now, again, let's go back to why am I here on this earth? To give praise. Praise needs to be a part, just like breakfast is, praise needs to be a part of my everyday life. So I wake up with my Cheerios. Lord, I'm so thankful that I have a bowl of these delicious Cheerios. Honey nut Cheerios. None of this original Cheerios that I have to put three cups of sugar on before they taste good. I got honey nut Cheerios. Lord, thank you for honey. 
Thank you for bees. And it just goes all the way down line. <laughs> but can I just, let me just, can, can you, I sincerely want to bring this to you. Can you just try this, try it for 30 days where you just start being thankful. And because listen, there's ministers that Jamie and I, we've, we've watched that we really admire, we look up to. They're dear friends of ours. And regularly, when I listen to them speak, a lot of times I hear them just in the message, thank you, Jesus. And they're not, they're not preaching on anything. And a lot of times I hear that going, what? what, what? Thank you, Je- yeah, what happened? They've just cultivated a lifestyle where they are just thankful. What is that? Again, like we said last week, thankfulness is victory. The Bible tells us to be thankful in everything. But a thankfulness sound is a sound of victory. When I'm thankful to the Lord, although all hell may be breaking loose, but Lord, I just want to thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are my sure foundation. You are my rock in time of trouble. You are the source in time of need. Lord, I just want to thank you for who you are. And what happens? He takes that pressure, and guess what? Now he brings himself into the equation. We got to disconnect from the problem and start giving thanks. And praise does a great job of getting your mindset off of the issue and onto him. Now, no Christian is at his best without praise. There should be results in our lives. The church is never meant just to go from message to message to message to message without fruit. Right? So when we start giving praise, I'm believing this, that we just take some time doing this. Look to see the things that are changing in your life. Yo, can we do that? Okay, now, what is praise? Praise is simply this. It's acknowledgement for God and his goodness. You know, one of the things the Lord told me for 2022, it's going to be marked, the year marked of the goodness of God in our life. I believe that with all my heart. And the reason why is because we're turning our thankfulness up. I know that's what the Lord spoke to me, and I'm believing that for this church as well. It's going to be marked by the year of the goodness of the Lord. Now, don't let that sound just Christianese to you. No, I believe that with all my heart. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. Blessings, your mercy, it follows me all the days of my life. It's stalking you. You turn around, oh, there's the goodness of God. Oh, It should be there, but what do we need to do? God has never stopped being good. We've just stopped being thankful. So what do we need to do? We need to turn the thankfulness back up. Let it become the dialect. Let it become the very sound that comes out of you. Like we said last week, when the world squeezes you, when somebody squeezes you, what comes out? Thank you, God. Somebody said this about you. Thank you, Lord. That's what comes out of you. It needs to come out of you because if it's cursing, we're going to have to change that, y'all. That's not the dialect. Okay, that's not the accent of heaven. When you go to heaven, you go, hey, I like the accent up there. What is it? Is it, is it British? Is that what that is? No. Oh, is it Saskatchewan? No. Oh, is it Manitoban? No. What is it? It's thankfulness. That's what makes heaven what it is. It's, it sounds thankful. <laughs> oh, man. Ah. Uh. Look at this, Psalm 69. But you and I, we have something to give God. God wants my gratitude. He loves my thankfulness. Don't disconnect the feeling side of God. He made you. He's got emotions. But he loves to be thanked. He loves to be loved. And I got three more verses real quickly for you. But in Psalm 69, verse 30 and 31. I don't know if the the screens are working here. There they are. Oh, thank you very much. It says, then my song will be a burst of praise to you. My glory shouts will make your fame even more glorious to all who hear my praises. Now look at verse 31. For I know, Yahweh, that my praises mean more to you than all my gifts and sacrifices. What is God like? He likes your praise. So remember, we talked about this last week, that your praise affects three beings. It affects our Heavenly Father, who you adore, you love my praises. The father just, I love that sound. And what does he do? He is strong on praise. He's strong in it. So it affects him. It affects you and I. It changes our attitude. Anybody married to a grump? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) (laughs) 
Some of you want to raise your, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. <laughs> One hand went up. <laughs> uh, marriage counseling will happen sometime throughout this year. Okay. But this is the cure for grumpiness. Did you know that Christian and grumpy should not be the same, should not be in the same phrase? Oh, he's a believer, but boy, he sure is grumpy. Huh? That ought not be. Why? Because if this is cultivating a lifestyle of prayer, listen, you've got to cultivate this. What do you mean to cultivate? You've got to practice this. The world system is to be unthankful. That's what the Bible says in these last days. What's going to be marked by the end time generation? Unthankfulness. And don't just think age. Don't just think, oh, the next generation, oh, the one that are coming up. Yeah, they're just so unthankful. No, no, no. This goes into all generations. Unthankfulness is the mark that you see in this last days. They're just unthankful about anything. This wasn't good enough. Unthankful. But he's saying, if this can cultivate, if I can bring in this lifestyle of thanksgiving to God, watch how it changes my life. Okay, now, God likes my praise. Satan hates my praise. Psalm chapter 8, look at this, verse 1 and 2. Doesn't it just make you want to praise if Satan hates it? First of all, I want to do it because my father loves it. But secondly, guess what? I love the fact that Satan hates it when the church gets together like this, what we do on Sundays, and we start worshiping God. You don't need your favorite song. You can just worship the Lord regardless of what happens. It all makes you want to shout. The devil hates your praise. Woo! Glory! Anyways, Romans, look at this, Psalm 8, 1. It says, Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Now I got to find it on here. Verse 2, it says, you have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up. Come on, say with me. Strength rises up. Again, strength rises up. When? In the chorus of singing children. That's not just talking about your kids. You is a child. I'm a child. Strength rises. Praise is strength. Now, if you have no strength, what can you do? Nothing. Spiritually depleted is a horrible place to be. That's when you are open to temptation. That's when you will, you know, not just open to it, but you'll go into it. You are open to negativity. You are open to all the works of darkness. And we don't even realize it. Why? Because we stop praising. Praise is put under your and my authority. God gave it to us as a gift. It's a gift. Guess what you get to do today? Praise the Lord. I get to do that. What happens? Strength rises. He says the kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. I don't know about you, but there's nothing greater than shutting that twerp up. Every time he speaks that we see it happen in the natural, what do we do? We don't fight people on people. That don't work. So what do we do? Praise the Lord. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on. They want to do this in your, your business or whatever. Praise the Lord. When they start talking, oh, Canada's going communist. I refuse that. I refuse that. What do I do? Lord, I thank you for your goodness. God needs access somewhere. So rather than just joining in the negativity, oh yeah, I guess this whole, just everything sucks out there. Stop it. We sound just like them. And what is that? Well, God's just in control. Whatever happens, just happens, I guess. No, we take it by force. This is our nation. The nation of what? The church. This, listen, nations are our inheritance. So what do we do? Yeah, I guess it's all just, you know, going to hell. No, no. When the righteous are in ruling, people get saved. You know what this, listen, all that's going on is actually, you got to see it. It is a huge opportunity for us. Once we have been praying for this to be opened up, we're asking for the truth of God's word to be shining in, clearing out darkness. Guess what's happening? People are being so pushed on that negative side that they're going to have to start looking. Is there a God? What an opportunity is at our fingertips. Come on, rather than looking at it, go, they're stupid. No, opportunity, opportunity for what? The gospel to go forth stronger than it ever has before. But guess what? Church, guess what? We got to start sounding like it. Like, get ready now. What's our voice? What's our sound? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So what it is, it's a different thought. It's a new way of thinking. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. 
Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. So what do we do? Oh, Lord, I praise you. Cast all the care. Cast the government over on the Lord. What are you going to do? Seriously, what are you going to do? Oh, they're just all mad. You can talk. Listen, bashing the prime minister will do nothing except actually attract demons to you. And we're going, how come we're not seeing my miracle? Because you a trash talker. It don't work like that. What do we do? We bless the position. We don't agree necessarily. You may not agree with the individual. Fine. So what do we do? Bless only, not curse. Come on, say it with me. Bless only, not curse. And it may be a little bit tough at first to do it, but all of a sudden when the love of God gets all over you, you start seeing it a little bit differently. Listen, his blood spilled for him just as much as it did me. I'm no better than Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. In fact, we bless him. Why? Because we need God access into our nation. And the more and more the church talks about how bad and how stupid and how devilish it is, we're, we're talking one way, not even realizing all of heaven's trying to reach into the nation and stir up the foundation and get right on the inside. And meanwhile, the church, we are distracted by what they're doing over here. And God's going, yo, pay attention. And meanwhile, you missed it the whole time. Why? Because you're stuck at this religious table thinking that this is the right way to do it when in fact God's calling you. Start giving me thanks. You're not the savior of this world. You're not the savior of Canada. So what do I do? I give access to the one who is. How? By my praise. So Premier Kenny, you get my blessing. We bless you in Jesus' name. And if they need to be removed, guess what? He removes them, not us. That's just not how democracy works. I don't care what you think how democracy works. The kingdom of God does not work that way. <laughs> and what's higher, democracy or the kingdom? Kingdom operates this way. How do we get off all on that? But whatever it is, is there. <laughs> Satan hates my praise. Now look at this. Last verse is this. It's 1 Samuel 16, 23. This is right after, of course, David killed Goliath. And uh, Saul, I mean, this is the time Saul had been dethroned, I guess you could say, had lost his kingship. He had lost his rulership of the people. The anointing, the grace to be a king had left because of disobedience to the Lord. Right? You all remember that? So King David was anointed by God to do. And now what happened? He killed Goliath. And now in 1 Samuel chapter 16, now who was still king at the time? Saul. But I want you to see, what did David do? All right, Saul, get out of here, you loser, I'm, I'm next. No, he served his king faithfully. Now look at this, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 23, again, talking about Satan hates my praise. Whenever the tormenting spirit would trouble Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. What happens when you even just, once in a while, just put on your favorite song or just a little worship mixtape or whatever it may be, just having some strummed instrument, something like that. When it says, the, it's not just the instrument that does it, it's the anointing that is playing through the individual. Right? It's not listening to like ACDC. No, it's someone who has a heart for the Lord, desires God. When they start playing the instrument, woo, I tell you, that changes everything. You don't need a gigantic band to make it sound good. You need the anointing. Because when you have the anointing, what happens? It says the tormenting spirit. Why? He hates it. He absolutely hates the sound of a believer singing, worshiping God. And on top of that, when a believer, someone who loves God, starts playing that instrument with a heart for the Lord and interested in not giving glory to God, man, Satan goes, ah, <laughs> and he tries to flee. That's, listen, when you start praising, we kind of look at going, well, nothing's really happening. No praise is ever done in vain. <laughs> when you start celebrating and rejoicing in God, right? Listen, last quote is just thought, this thought, is that a jumping, celebratory of Christians, one who rejoices, will never feel the pressure. Come on, y'all, one more time. A celebratory, a one who worships and praises God will never, ever, 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 ever feel pressure. 
Sure, it may come at one time, but we know what to do with it. We give it to him. And what do we do? We disconnect from the pressure and we go, God, I love you. Come on, I'm, I'm done this. I'm done this morning. Can we just take a moment? Father, we just give it over to him. Give it over to him. Whatever it is, job, financial, health, give it over to him. What do I do? Lord Jesus, I love you. I bless you. I exalt you. There's no God as big as mine. Woo! You saved me just in time. Hallelujah. My body is well. Come on, speak to that body. I heard some things last week. Shoulders were healed last week. It's still in the room today. Come on, it's flowing through us. It's in you. It's in me. We stir it up on the inside. Glory to God. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Forget what people think. It's for you. It's for you and he loves it. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. We bless you. Come on, church, just for another moment. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we love you. Thank you for the blood that was spilt. Come on, just thank him for that for this moment. I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going to hell. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just say this after me. Greater is he that's living in me than he that is in the world. Now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm the head. Come on, I'm the head, not the tail. Again, I'm the head, not the tail. Tell the devil, I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above only and I'm not beneath. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed in the nations. Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. Let me go. We speak that constantly over yourself. Tell your body, knees? Oh, you work well. Come on, kidneys, you operate properly. You function well. Come on, now let's just for a moment. We, remember, we, God gives the power. We have to use it. We have to flip the switch. And what again, how do we flip the switch? La, 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 la. It's my tongue, my tongue. The psalmist said in Psalm 42 or 43 that my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. How do we speak out the promises of God? Getting it on our hearts, we speak it. This is a speaking planet. You know, I remember, I just, I heard this not too long ago, but you know what? God has the power to kill you, but he doesn't have the authority to do it. Where's the authority? The proverb said it's in the power of your tongue. COVID can't kill you. Cancer can't kill you. Why? I don't know about that. Oh, you don't know what happened to my, no, no, no. Stay here. What, what, how do we go, uh, function? What, what's our foundation? The word is our foundation. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. So what do I do? I'm not going to damn my body. I'm not going to tell it, oh, you're just susceptible to these things. Uh, I mean, it's fever season, you know, and what happens when fever season comes? <laughs> it comes. Stop it. On the offense. All of a sudden, a symptom tries coming. Listen, this happened to me a lot over this last year. A symptom tries coming. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a sec. Cough, go to hell. Throat, be clear. Be sound. And I haven't had a sick day since. What do you do? It's not, I'm breaking on me. I'm breaking on the word. It's the word that does it. I can't do it. I can't heal the fly. So what do we do? He gives us the power. We flip the switch. So if there's something off in your body right now, speak to it. And the same thing we're going to do with our finances. You have to take authority over the thing. Not just, why well, I need another job to... No, no, no. Take authority on this. If, you've, if you have a tither, there's tithing rights. And so what do I do? Hold on. The devourer, you can't eat my stuff. You can't take my stuff. No, 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 no. In Jesus' name, money, come here now. That's how you talk. Why? What? That's kind of stupid. Well, that's how it is done. And heaven operates like this. In the eons yet to come, guess what you're going to be doing? Speaking. You talk to golf balls all the time. You shoot it. Oh, whoa, 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 right, 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 no, right. 
You do it all the time. So what's different than you and I talking to our body, talking to circumstances, talking to a fig tree? Hey, fig tree, you're useless. You're done. Huh? Again, you want to be, of course, led by the Spirit of God. You're not just spouting off things and you will be my wife. No, that doesn't work like that. You have to be led by the Spirit of God on the inside. What is he directing you to say? If there's something off in your knee, you say, no, 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 stop right now. This is how it's going to be. By his stripes, I am healed. I'm done. Thank <laughs> you.